You should never have to choose between cake, cake or pie. pie. You put a pie inside a cake. A friend of mine once wanted to, because you can a get birth, birthday cake ice cream at uh, Marble Slab. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to get it with apple pie in it. And as well, and in like a pie shape. So it's like a pie that tastes like cake <laughs> and just ice cream. Basically, he figured that would be like the, the singularity the that envelops the universe. <laughs> mm. uh, anyways, uh, w- welcome, uh, true believers and listeners. It's an episode of True North Nerds. Yay! Yay! This so is the second time we've recorded this. Yay! So we're actually recording this time. Yes. The red light's on. Oh, no, we were recording last time. It's just I, I went to click something. And <laughs> so you were clicked. playing with the laptop that you shouldn't be playing I with. I clicked the wrong thing. Oh. And oh. Then Stop clicking. It, it, it made everything go away. So um, <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of news, and then we're going to focus on our home and native land, Canada. Because it's uh, Canada Day, uh, well, shortly after we record this, yes. and shortly before you get this episode, so... No, it's the other way around. It's We're recording this before That's Canada Day, yeah. but they'll be getting it after. That's oh, what he said. Yes. No. I thought yeah, that's what no, he said. I, I did. That's what I said, but I said it in a very awkward manner. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So... <laughs> So I'm wearing a red t-shirt in the honor. Of course, it's a Spider-Man t-shirt, but... I'm not. <laughs> Me neither. And that's what, we got to figure that out after the episode because today. Spider-Man comes out next week. I really want to go to the en route and buy one of the Canada 150 yeah, t-shirts. I kind of do, too. I, I bought a Canada 150 t-shirt at the Aurelia Farmer's Market last weekend. Ooh. It was in. It was to uh, promote and um, raise funds for the Canada Day celebrations in Aurelia. Oh, nice. So... It's got the 150 logo on it. And I really like the 150 logo. I think it's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. There was a contest yeah. by designers. Uh, somebody told me it was like a 19-year-old from Guelph who won. I think so, yeah. Something oh. like that, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm actually going to be in Ottawa for Canada Day. I'm oh, exciting. I'm very excited about it. So it was a friend of ours who was born on Canada Day. Wow. So she's doing the ultra-patriotic thing. Hmm. I'm going to brave the crowds and see that most Canadian of bands, U2. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're going to U2? Well, no, they're playing, they're playing at Canada at... Day at the Parliament. Really? Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, I think they're friends with the Prime Minister. Oh, because that's true. our Prime Minister is cool. Yeah. And also, so, pre- whatever you may think about his politics, he's done a lot for PR uh-huh. in our country. And I think the I think that Prince Charles is going to be there too. Wow. Yeah, I know he's in the country yeah. soonish, so that would so. that would make sense. There are some Canadian bands too. Like, you can't uh, get more Canadian than Platinum uh, Blonde. Lover boy. <laughs> no, I think Chantel Kreviatsak and Our Lady Peace. Oh, because, because they're, they're, married. they're married. So yeah, that's, that's a combo package. You hire one, you get the other. But they're I both I want to good. see Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Now Brent's William trying boy. to figure out how to get to uh, Ottawa for Canada no, Day so he can watch it. He can watch it all on that TV. I wanted to go see. So it's going to be. It's going to be a zoo. Yeah. You have Monday off, so you could go. 
No, no. I have to work on Monday. No. I know it's going to be a zoo, but I got to produce the show and have it up for I Monday morning. So, and and I'm going to watch a Canadian wrestle on in and uh, on Sunday night. So. And I'm going to play the it Sims. All works. And you're going to play the Sims. <laughs> so um, there's not a huge amount of news to cover, but what news item there is um, is pretty kind of interesting and huge. And uh, I've got news. Oh, Ryan's got news. Okay, I've got a list so. of news. There might not be much oh, right. news, but I've got. I did my homework. Okay, so do we want to start with Han Solo, or do we? Oh, yeah, well, we'll Han start with that. Start with Han Solo. Big, yeah. Han Solo. That's the big okay, news. Okay, but you so. have to do your news like, like an old timey reporter. Uh, I can't. Just, I'll try. <laughs> you just Dateline plug your Hollywood. Okay, or Kevin will do it. <laughs> so, um, the uh, the two guys who were directing the the Han Solo movie, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, um, have been let go or walked away or mutually parted ways depending on which version of the story you want to go with um, and which version of the story doesn't get us sued by anybody involved. <laughs> um, mm. uh, let's put it allegedly above yeah. everything here. Everything is being said in air quotes. And they've been replaced by Ron Howard, of all people. So yes. um, I don't know what to think of this. It's I, The one thing I do know is a good book will come out of this story mm. at the end of it. <laughs> Yeah. Or a good movie or uh, something. At the very least, a good magazine article. Yeah, that when somebody does it, goes in and does the in-depth research on it. Because yeah. we've like the stories are all over the place. Is it going to be Han Solo movie, the movie, the making of the Han Solo movie movie? Yes. <laughs> yes, it will. I would um, pay to see that. <laughs> I would pay to hear you say that again. Exactly the way you just said it, without missing a word. Oh, I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> Han Solo, the bo- Han Solo movie, the movie, the making of the Han Solo movie, movie. <laughs> no, well, I uh, think there was a couple extra movie movies in there that uh, time. Whatever. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I we didn't. Oh no, I love Star Wars. You guys love Star Wars. This was the least interesting of the the Star Wars yeah. solo movies to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until they brought in Phil Lord and Christopher Miller because they they had done Twenty One Jump Street. Mm-hmm. And they had done Lego. the Lego movie, and like it, like it was a very interesting choice to bring them in. And Ron Howard is, don't get me wrong, he's a great director, but I can't tell you anything specific about Ron Howard's directing. Mm-hmm. He, he's it's very dramatic. capable, he's very good, he does good movies, but he's like, there's nothing about him, like you can't say anything about like his camera angles, or he right. can't, you know... I, but is that a bad thing? Because no, it's like maybe it, this, not. Is, this is Star Wars. I don't necessarily want my Star Wars and walk away and be like, "Oh yeah, this was a Michael Bay movie. Look at all the explosions. Look at or oh, look at all the lens flares. Look at all you know." I, I don't. Just, yeah. I think the biggest comparison to this would be Edgar Wright and Ant Man. You know, but at if, least if that Marvel, he didn't start filming. Yeah, like well, this is, it was this close, a couple months though. in though. And, but I think it's. I mean, I think it's a similar situation, right? If if you look at Star Wars now as this is weird to say, but the new Marvel, uh, you know, both have an overlord who first oversees well, every a couple little overlords. Well, really. you know, but you know, Feige over at Marvel and Kathleen, Kathleen, uh, uh, Catherine, uh, what's her name? Who's in charge of Lucasfilm? Kennedy. <laughs> Catherine Kennedy. Sorry. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's good to have, it's good to have a vision for your franchise. And if these people aren't fulfilling the vision of the franchise, you've got to make a shakeup. And so I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. Well, if you believe some of the reports that are starting to come out, like the one I read today, 
it almost made it sound like they've made Han Solo into Ace Ventura. Which is just awful. Yeah. Right. Which would not be, which I could see if that is the case. And it's whether that was the direction being given or if that's, if they were letting the actor make those choices. Yeah, I, but I if, can see that not getting. If you know, the directors were known for big comedies like 21 Jump Street and. Uh, yeah, it's not like Lego. they had really Lego written movie. anything dramatic. Right? That, like, try to picture the Lego movie and Han Solo, and I don't know. Doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's, in my well, opinion, it, it shouldn't be a comedy. It should have a little bit of humor. It should have in humor, it. Like it, but it's not a, it shouldn't be a comedy. Part of me wonders if they were thinking Buddy Cop. Was that's Aww. why they brought them up? Well, because it's Han Solo and in Chewbacca in Lando, oh. right? You you have kind of those dynamics already there, but uh, I'm I'm this does make me curious to see what this is going to be like at the end of the day. And I, I'm really curious what the director's credits kind of reads. I now. am less interested in going back and telling old stories with the old characters. Yeah. Then okay, you created a new beginning with Force Awakens. Uh, let's and and with Rogue One, they told a story set in the old time frame, but without any of the yeah, old characters. The, yeah, it does not really involve anybody that we saw a lot of. <laughs> you know, leave leave the classic characters to the extended universe. I don't have to read any of those books or comics. Yep. Uh, or and, if you do, you know, the, it's and there. If I want to, it's there. <sighs> I don't know. I it's, agree. It's kind of up there with um, uh, the other movies that they've talked about might be in the works. Boba Fett, I, I you kind of have some potential with because we don't really know a lot about that character exactly. here and there. Yoda, I think, is uh, that's one that that's like a character that should remain somewhat. I think it's supposed to be making a Yoda movie. It's been it's, talked about, it's but it's the, I don't even never know if it's been, been talked confirmed. about or just people keep wanting one. Which I yeah, like yourself, I don't I don't want a Yoda movie. Yeah, Leave Yoda alone. If you're gonna do like an old Jedi movie, I wouldn't mind like an Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, you know, maybe you know, Lone Jedi Adventures on Tatooine type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, defend, you know mm-hmm. type of thing. But even then, you already know he's gonna survive. I mean, the things that we like that have come out recently that are set back in the day are things with all new character sets, right? Rogue One and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Yep. Uh, we those, with cameos and, from other characters. Cameos you are know, fine. Well, yeah, just tissue, just to tie it neither together. Neither of those properties needed a Han Solo or a Princess Leia in them. Nope. Yeah, I'm not overly excited about the Han Solo movie. I mean, I have maybe once I see trailers, I'll yeah. be more well, excited. I, but right I'm now, not I'm like, I'm not going to see it because oh, I'm oh, going oh, to see oh, it. We'll all be there on preview night. Yeah. But it's the don't talk crazy. It's kind of the least interesting out of the lot, really, and and. I think point to that is like the, the reason why Harrison Ford always kind of wanted to kill off the character is because he didn't really see much substance in it. it. He was a good side guy and he got really good moments, but that's like, you know, that's all yeah. he wanted. That's true. I see that. Yeah. And, it, and he said that like for years and years before Force Awakens. Like, uh, um, but before he, they started production on the last Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. But even he, in Force Awakens, he was a side character. Yeah. He wasn't carrying the movie. He was an important part of the movie, but mm-hmm. he, was, he wasn't the main character. Yeah. So, well, I, I guess we'll see. It's, just, it's, it's very rare that you see a director fired or mm-hmm. let go yeah, halfway the, through filming like yeah. that, though, yeah. which... Uh, like I said, I'm curious to see what the the director's credit ends up reading. By An the time Alan that rolls. Smithy film. 
I, they don't use that name anymore, that, actually. Yeah. Kind of makes, reminds me of uh, what happened with Superman 2 and Richard yeah. Donner. Yeah. Because they were filming Superman 1 and 2 at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I guess the budget was getting so big that they were like, okay, we got to get one of these movies out. So they stopped, finished editing one, put it out. It was a hit and it made money. There was enough uh, conflicts with Donner and the, I guess the producers or somebody that they took him off, brought another guy in to finish filming it. Now we've got the Richard Donner cut of the movie mm. out there now. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are, they're different enough. Yeah. The ending, the endings are, are a bit different. Too, yeah. But, and uh, Ryan, you had other news that you wanted well, to talk Well, yeah, there's about? all kinds of other news. that well, Nintendo announced a Super Nintendo oh, Classic. Yeah. Yay! We speculated, we hoped, we wished. Yay! We're getting it. Let's We're going to pre-order it. more of a handful and yeah. see how many people They'll pre-order five. this time. <laughs> uh, I would hope they've learned their lesson. Well, <laughs> hopefully the fact that they're actually making an uh, SNES Classic will show that they've learned their lesson yeah i I'm, hope i'm i'm curious about it because they're they're pu- pushing the switch at the same time right like that's when hey. christmas time rolls around that switch is going to be pumped again mm-hmm. like yeah. no tomorrow hey nintendo if you're listening send us a copy to review of either the switch or the snes classic <laughs> I'll, I'll even make nintendo a deal we will buy the american one Send us the Japanese one and the European one, just so we can, you know, test the differences between them. Because <laughs> they're going to have different game lineups, just like the the classic oh, NES one does. Yeah, there's like, uh, it's basically four games get swapped out. Um, the Japanese one, it's two games we never got um, in North America. Yeah, but which is, they'll be in Japanese. Meh. If we get a free Eight. one, are you not going to try it out? There's only four buttons, a couple little shoulder ones. We'll figure it Google out. Google Translate is yeah. your friend. <laughs> the uh, uh, Super Mario Kart, oh, I love, and that Star game. Fox Two, which never, never got... saw actual release in like anywhere, yeah. and Final and Fantasy, yay! Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That'll be a good one. So before we move on from Nintendo, I wasn't here for the last recording. No, nope. and uh, at that time, the big theme park news was that the plans for Nintendo Land at Universal Studios Florida got leaked. And Ooh. yeah, so you guys were at Universal this winter, or last yep. winter. This winter. Um, uh, and you know the whole kids area where there was a Barney show and Curious George? Yeah. Uh, that whole area is going away. The only thing that's staying back there is E.T. E.T., yeah. And what's going in there is a Nintendo Land, and uh, the signature attraction is Mario Kart. <gasps> oh, nice. It's a Mario Kart ride where the ride vehicles will drift around corners, and from the concept art that's been leaked it looks like people can be watching from the sidelines and throw like shells and <laughs> banana peels at people while they're on the ride virtually i assume yeah but it looks really cool there's also i, I hope it's foam I can see Brent what? smoking what? some little five-year-old <laughs> <laughs> slow motion. You know, so that, that's the big attraction. There's also a Donkey Kong roller coaster. Um, some I kind, can kind of see that. Yeah, um, and the the um, the ride vehicles from the concept art sit. Uh, so they're not right on the track, but they're on a platform that's above the track, so the cars can bounce, and so it'll look like it'll look like the track is broken, and the trains will jump over the gaps. And things. oh, cool! Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, there's uh, the sort of new kids playground will be a theme to Kirby. Aw, I love Kirby. Um, He's so cute. A Zelda 
attraction of some sort. I was going to sort. say that there's got to be some sort of Zelda one. They'll hit their major tentpole character. And the other thing is probably some kind of interactive Pokemon. Uh, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that would the, be awesome. Yeah. So, and it's got potential, so much potential for other stuff, even if yeah. you just stick to the Nintendo. And properties. you know how interactive the Harry Potter ones are. Yeah. Um, I I assume they'll do similar things with like a flower. Yeah, flower coin power. boxes and mm. things, and you jump up and. That'd yeah. be so cool. Yeah, so. They should do a Metroid ride similar to the Men in Black one. In fact, you can even take it. I love well, Men in Black one. It's gonna be. It's gonna fill in the area behind the Simpsons. So it's gonna be a. Way we we walked over there. Um, remember, that's where we, we we were on our way to the ET ride, but there was too big a line, and we were on our way back. And the yeah. guy asked us to do the survey, hmm. and I was cracking up because they had SpongeBob store pants. Sponge, yeah, SpongeBob store pants will be staying too. Yeah, you do not know how hard she and I was so tired. <laughs> it was the end of the day. We've been out in the sun. That's the sun's it fault. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of it. So that's my uh, theme park news right now. So. Cool. And it tied in with Ryan's. And it tied in with Nintendo, Ryan's Nintendo news. news. Yay! Okay, next, Ryan. Uh, else there? Well, yes. Did everybody see that lovely interview with Kevin Feige and? Um, the woman that the, the producer that of Spider-Man? Spider-Man well used to be the head of Sony now is just I guess the producer of Sony Spider-Man nope yeah. no nope uh, I oh, didn't see the, the very awkward. awkward one when was the reporter asked if the, the the announced Venom movie and then the other ones they've been talking about are going to be connected to the Spider-Man and the MCU and she starts going on about uh, how Walt just like in the comics, they're going to be kind of over on the side. They'll be happening over here, and Kevin Feige just looks like he has this look like, "What the fuck you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I guess there's been all kinds of backtracking since the interview, yeah. um, and no, Venom is not going to be part of the MCU. He's going to be part of Spider-Man's the universe. Spider-Man though. universe, yeah. But without a Spider-Man, because right now there's yeah. only so. I, I part. I wonder if like no Spider Man's going to be in that universe, but there it's like Daredevil and the Defenders, right? We're never going to hear mention of them in the movie universe. It's basically, but they they are there. Spider Man you know will basically I mean? have like a foot in the in the MCU, but yeah. the rest of him will be in his own little. Well, apparently, Tom, I'm so excited for that movie. Tom Paul and the the guy who plays <laughs> Spider Man has. Now, I'm curious if this was official or just him, like, goofing, because he's a fan. He's now claiming, I think it's Iron Man 2 at the Iron Man Expo. You know the kid with the Iron Man helmet that the drone steps in front of and then Tony flies down and stops him? He's claiming that's Peter Parker. That's awesome. Yeah, there's no reason why they can't do it. Well, I mean, there's no harm if they do. They might as well. Exactly. I also just read an article that said... They are not giving Tom Holland the script to Avengers 4 yet because he's got loose lips. Yes. <laughs> well, he's he already so confirmed cute. Spider-Man 2 and 3. Yeah. He's adorable, that but kid. But he's like a teenage kid, right? Like yeah. he, he's, the, actually, he's the only Spider-Man who was a teenager when filming Spider-Man. This yeah. is why I'm so looking forward to Spider-Man. I know we'll get into it when we see Spider-Man, but I'm Next really looking week. forward to it because it's a Peter Parker who's actually like Peter Parker. Like he's yeah. a stupid kid. A smart, stupid kid. 
A young, you know, who's actually you know, kind of acting his age. Yeah, he's yeah. acting his mm-hmm. age. He's in that awkward phase. He's yeah. trying to do good, but doesn't know how. It ends up screwing up. And that's that's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's so, got a smart mouth. And I'm so excited. Okay, you go first. <laughs> and then I want to I want to put something on audio record. That okay, I well, have that's what I'm doing. Of. Here's my fix okay. for the Sony universe. Okay, I'm, I'm, mine's completely different. So okay. go ahead. They just have another Spider-Man. Have an older Spider-Man. It could, you know, they really wanted to bring back Andrew Garfield or, God forbid, Tobey Maguire. And have I think them Toby's be, done. Toby's well, kind of aged out at this point. But it doesn't, Tom, Tom Hardy, who's playing Venom, is no spring chicken. Yeah, is but he playing the Flash Thompson Venom? Yes. No, no he's um, playing no, uh, Eddie, Eddie, Brock. Eddie Brock. I think he's Eddie Brock Venom. Okay, that makes sense. Because they're going to do the whole sense. origin, but, you know type of thing but so or you know and you only need them for this one movie you could kill them off in the movie then you can introduce miles and you've got your own sony can do a spider-man miles morales in their universe which everybody wants miles and you got the other spider-man in the mcu and eventually you can build to a spider-verse movie where you can bring both of them in and bring all kinds of other spider-mans like spider-ham and spider-gwen Oh, Spider Ham would be awesome. Spider Ham and Rocket Raccoon team up movie. <laughs> so, I got the thinking today. Okay, because I read dangerous. an article where they said that um, they mentioned the fact that Peter Parker lived just down the street from the what? What do they call it? The event Avengers one when New York oh, okay. gets yep. blown up. He, he was living in Queens, right? Yeah, but okay. I, my theory is, is for whatever reason, he already had his powers. He's going to be a bit younger than he is now, obviously. And Uncle Ben gets killed in the event. Uncle Ben got trying to help somebody out. They're going to change the origin a little bit. I thought there was no Uncle Ben in this movie. No. There's no. not. But, well, I'm, we, I'm but going, there's no saying that we don't get an to... Uncle Ben dies flashback. Or a reference to mm. it, right? And it's we're going we to get a little bit. We got to wonder why the movie's called Homecoming too. We don't know what mm. that means, really, because he's in but high school. Surprisingly, yeah. we don't really like. We know big the big overall story of the movie because the trailer basically gives it all away. But we don't know a lot of the little details. Yeah, we got the broad it. strokes, but not the details. Yeah, I'm so excited. Which is good. I hope it stays that way. Movie trailers should do that more often. Is hide more of the mm. the story, but. All right, moving on with the news. Moving on. You got more? Yes. He's got a whole page. Okay, go ahead. Five episodes of Young Justice have been recorded, so we are getting new Young Justice cartoons. (laughs) Is it still all the original voice cast, or have they had to replace anybody? As far as I know, it's the original voice actors, like Nolan North is going to be Superboy. He's actually one of the people that leaked it. Uh, I had a con this past weekend talking about somebody asked him about it and he just said, Well, I can tell you we just finished like episode five. So it's we're gonna get it eventually. I hope I hope it ends up on a platform up here. Like yeah. mm-hmm. maybe like Star Trek Discovery is on CBS, like because these are gonna be on some Warner Brothers streaming streaming service. service. Yeah, I think so. Much like so, Vixen the digital was, ones, right? Well was, Vixen was on CW Seed, which is yeah. a uh, a different, oh, another is, separate oh, other thing. digital okay. thing. That reminds me, I have the Vixen movie for us to watch. Yes. Oh, nice. I keep and forgetting. So I, I hope that this ends up on Netflix up here or something. I could see that. A lot of the DC straight to video stuff ends up here. Oh, so yeah, that's true. Be, All of Most of those movies are on Netflix. So. Or at least appear there for a while and then slowly go away. 
Uh, there's Dis- Star Trek Discovery news. Jonathan Frakes is going to be uh, directing an episode mm-hmm. or two. That's not that. too surprising. No. It's, that's what he does now for the most part. Yep. So. And there was an article uh, about Star Trek Discovery in the newest issue of Entertainment Weekly, and they've confirmed a lot of more details about the show. This will be the first Star Trek series that features two starships, so the two ships will run throughout the whole oh, season. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole... Discovery and the Shenzhou are the names of the two ships. Yeah, and so I guess... Two captains and... That whole scene at the beginning where everybody was complaining, oh, there's not even any guys on this ship... That's the first ship she's on, and she gets yeah. transferred from that ship to the other ship she, where there's a male captain. She becomes the first officer of um, the Discovery, and that's the ship that Jason Isaac's character, Captain Lorca, is the commanding officer on. So there's that. Who's probably evil. He's not always evil. <laughs> He's mainly evil. And the other, the other tidbit about the show that came out is that... Um, her character, Michael Burnham, is the first human to attend the Vulcan Science Academy, and that she was sort of mentored by Sarek. So there's a connection to... Well, Sarek's in the show, isn't Sarek he? is in the show. So that's why she's sort of distant and sort of um, less emotional and awkward around other people on the ship, because she was basically raised on Vulcan. Hmm. Now, the one thing I read, too, I'm sure you saw it, is that they're the, they're changing or they're you know breaking one of the cardinal rules of Star Trek? I did this too. Yeah. I, I, which is which okay, is which you is, explain it and then yeah. I'm going to counterpoint this. I guess in the past, Gene Roddenberry had put like a sort of rule in place that because Starfleet is this ideal future society, he didn't want there to be any conflicts written into any of the scripts between shipmates oh, and, okay. and the bridge crew. So now apparently they're doing away with that so they can actually have conflict. Yeah, except that's bullshit. Well, it, it's not. It, that rule only started, took effect in with Next Generation. Yeah, but there's conflicts in Next Generation between, like, when uh, certain things with Picard where Riker would fight him, fight yeah, him but on. And... No, he wouldn't. That wasn't a real conflict that was as a in disagreement a dif- or a differing like, well, differing opinions like a first officer questioning his captain like he should not oh that doesn't but not there was out. no disobedience no, not, or mutiny yeah. or that's why or jealousy or unless yeah. you were you know uh, you know influenced by an that's alien the, force the next two series after next gen you know they built into the cast that they weren't all Starfleet. non-starfleet people so yeah. we can get around that so yeah but when you look back at Classic Star Trek. No, classic Star Trek, yeah, I could completely agree with McCoy. They bickered all the time, so But was that once again, is that real conflict or just you know bickering, just differing opinions? Like to what extent was his rule? Well nobody ever hated each other. No nobody nobody on Next Gen ever insulted anybody else, whereas McCoy called Spock a pointy eared alien jerk. But he did it with love. Yeah, but still, it, it, it creates a little more tension. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, oh, did you guys see the clip? I shared it on the Facebook page. Uh, Star Wars Forces of Destiny, that cartoon, mm-hmm. premieres uh, on July 3rd on the Disney YouTube channel and July 9th on the Disney channel on regular TV. Yeah, I'm uh, It looks pretty good. I watched the clip. I don't know if you guys did or not. I am but, a night child. Oh, you should. You even see Padme running around, I think, at one point in there. 
Yeah, because it's going to be female centric. Yeah, right. And that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. I want the toys. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, they should be coming if that if it's airing soon. Then what do you think? Grind Force Friday. Oh yeah, will I, that I be part be of Force Friday? Wouldn't be surprised at all if yeah if we don't get them before that. Surprised but. it it premieres before D twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. That is a little weird, but. It, that could have been something that, like, scheduling just didn't mm. work out quite well. It's, is and, there a YouTube channel that you subscribe to to watch it, or is it just going to be on the main Star Wars channel? On it YouTube? says, it, no, it says on the Disney channel. Uh, on, Disney on the Disney, the YouTube, Disney channel? YouTube channel. That's what oh, it says on, on Disney, the... On Disney's YouTube channel. Yeah, when okay. I, I read in the clip, yeah, that's what it said. So I think I found it, I don't even know what channel I saw, because I think I saw it on a website. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even look at what the channel was. Um... And the only other thing that's not even news, but something I didn't realize. So you know that cartoon, uh, something two strings, uh, Kubo, Kubo and the two Kubo strings. Kubo and the two strings. Yes, yeah. the one you said you enjoyed. Or oh yeah, we it's watched fantastic. That, we watched that in New Year's. Yeah, it yeah. is fantastic. So the guy that directed that is going to be the—he's directing the Bumblebee standalone movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that uh, until I was watching interested. a clip today mm, because it's not Michael about, Bay. So. Well, no, well, exactly. It's. You know, he's not... And it's supposed to take place in the 80s, in the and 80s. he'll be back to being a VW bug? That's the, the talk right now, yeah. Hmm. And Volkswagen is already jacking up their licensing prices for it? Oh, probably. <laughs> it's, uh, okay, cool. It is the official Disney YouTube channel. Oh, there you go. So, with the, the news now taken care of, yeah? Yeah, yep. I believe so. We will move on to our home and native land, Canada. Mm. Um, I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure um, how many of our listeners are actually from the U.S., but uh, we we have uh, we Don't not just made them. it. It could be from England or yeah, Iceland or okay, or outside of Canada, Sri Lanka. Um, we are located in Ontario, just north of Toronto. Yes, there is a north of Toronto. There's lots of north of Toronto, mm. and there isn't always snow here. Although it's pretty cold, the last days. <laughs> it just rained a lot here, and it rained it rained ice two days ago. Let's be honest, <laughs> um, just a little hail. But um, what a lot of our outside listeners might not know is we do have like our own contributions to superheroes and Nerd science them. fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. and music and. And movies and stuff like that. So I, I figured instead of doing like a, a overall geek pick, we just kind of go through and talk about our favorite geek stuff that occurs in Canada that or is written by a Canadian mm-hmm. or is created by Canadians that uh, maybe outside people might not realize is Canadian. Or, or I have a question. Yes. So does that mean we're not doing geek picks at the end? No, we'll, no, we'll still, still do, do geek picks. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know if I should save it or if I should talk about it and with the rest of the stuff. No, you can do either. I'll save it. Okay. Save okay. it. Okay. As you were. <laughs> so um, the, I was going to go off with um, one, of, one of the substitutes I always used in Canadian English was like you, you got to do a Canadian author to do an essay on. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one to substitute a science fiction author. And my my teachers are like, really? What? Well, why is he important? I'm like, he kind of coined the term cyberspace. And that's William Gibson. Mm-hmm. And uh, William Gibson's a, a really good writer. He's kind of... 
I don't know what to call what he writes now other than speculative fiction. It's kind of like just before or just after tomorrow is what he writes. It's mm-hmm. not like future stuff. It's like very near future. Like you can very much see that this is in with the next 10 to 20 years, some of the stuff he talks about. But I really like um, what's referred to as the Sprawl Trilogy. So that's uh, Neuromancer, Mona Lisa Overdrive, and um, a book called Count Zero. They all take place in kind of the same setting and have some background characters that overlap. And it's a cyberpunk series that's just really good. It brought brought about a lot of what we think of when we think of virtual reality and cyberspace and... (laughs) what old people think of hacking as nowadays <laughs> stuff like that yeah um, it's a weird book to read now 30 years later uh, yeah I'm thinking of neuromancer specifically yeah it's just i found it a, a tough slog because it's just it's not it's not what happened it happened in the end yeah. so uh but you, you, you can't deny the there wouldn't be a matrix without neuromancer, oh no definitely know? not and it always amazes me that Neuromancer still hasn't made it into a movie. Like, you set it a bit further and you change a couple things. Um, like, we got Johnny Mnemonic years and years ago, mm-hmm. which I think was maybe sort of like the pilot project to see if the others would go, and it just didn't do well enough. I still kind of like that movie, to be honest. But um, it's it's weird. But but it, it's definitely... In, it was one of the classic okay. cyberpunk books. Anything after that sort of follows a lot in what Gibson set up. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of my picks. So if you're if you're out there, those books really, really good. And he lives still lives in Vancouver, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well if we're gonna stick with books, one of the authors that I enjoyed reading and I was uh, turned on to his books by a friend of mine, Rhiannon, and uh, she actually bought me uh, the Neanderthal trilogy oh, from Robert, Robert Sawyer. Robert Sawyer. Uh, I really enjoy Calculating God. And that was one of my favorite books of his. <clears throat> That's a great uh, one. Yeah. And uh, the big thing, I was like, it all takes place, well, especially the those two series or those books, it takes place in Ontario mm-hmm. in places you know, mm-hmm. like Science North, you know, the... Uh, down in the museum in Toronto, and it's you know it was weird when I first started reading them because it's like you know you always read the books in school, and I was never really a fan of reading what I had to read in school, <laughs> and then to start reading things that was like oh wait this wait I could actually walk over to this place and look at this thing that they're talking about in mm-hmm. this book because mm-hmm. it's just downtown Toronto. What uh, there was a TV series on NBC Flash Forward. Flash, Flash Forward. forward. I was yes. going to say which is um, a fabulous book, not a great TV, TV series. series. <laughs> I have a I have a weird little Robert Sawyer anecdote. Well, it's just, you've met him a couple times. I've yeah. met him too. He's a very nice man. Yeah, um, we have friends that are in common. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friend Joanne, when she her first marriage, <laughs> um, at their wedding reception, there was a group. There was you know how there's like a group of people who don't know anybody else at the wedding. Yeah, they, they, so they know the bride kinda, or the groom, and that's about it. Yeah, so it was me, the other guy who worked at the comic shop that Joanne and I worked at, uh, Robert Sawyer, his sister, brother-in-law, and uh, I think his name's Ron Sutton. He's a local Canadian comic book artist. He okay. he worked on, also animator. He worked on the Savage Dragon cartoon. Okay. 
and none of us knew each other, like knew anybody else. So we just struck up a conversation amongst one another. So yeah, and always a nice guy. Like I don't think he knows who I am. Obviously, yeah. we've only met like three or four times, but it always been pleasant to me when I've met him. But it's one of those weird. So smart too. Here. He's a very smart man. Yeah. So are we still talking authors? Go for you it. You can talk about anything. It's Canadiana. You can talk <laughs> about poutine if you want. Um, <laughs> Poutine's awesome. So and, and I already syrup. mentioned in one of my geek picks was Guy Gavriel K, who mm-hmm. wrote Tigana, and he's a, an author from Toronto. But another author that I actually met uh, a couple of years ago now is Terry Fallis, or Fallis. I never know mm-hmm. how to pronounce his name. But he wrote um, the, re- the book that I like best of his. Actually, no, that's not true. The book that I read first was Best Laid Plans. Um, And as somebody who does not follow politics, could not care less about politics, the whole book's about politics, and Mm -hmm. it was hilarious. I and I recommend it to everybody. That got made into a TV series too. It didn't did, it? and I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's pretty good. The one that I prefer, my favorite book by him, um, oh, it's the one about the space program. I think it's called Up and Down. I hadn't read that one. I read the Best Laid Plans one. But yeah, I read up and no, down up yet. and up and down is really funny because it's uh, his character is a um, a marketing person and he's trying they this company has put together you know send a typical canadian into space (laughs) and of course the marketing people want like this perfect male muscular young person to go into space but the person who actually wins the contest is an old um backwoods lady who was a doctor and she went, and so he's the whole book is him fighting to get her into space because she deserves it. She won, and everybody's against her, and she ends up going into space. Spoilers, but then other stuff happens. Um, it's a really fantastic book. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of good Canadian authors. Mm. Those are two of my favorites. Um, I'll mention a couple as well. Uh, Julie Chernada uh, is um, is an Aurora Award winning author. She's written over a dozen books now. I met her not long after she wrote her first book. She's actually, she did live locally in this area uh, for years and years. She just recently moved away. Um, a Thousand Words for Stranger was her first novel. And uh, we actually, I was in a book club at the time and we, I re- recommended that book and she actually came to our book club and it was oh, nice. kind of awesome. And through her, I've met a lot of, of great um, budding um, SF writers in the Toronto area. Oh, nice. Um, the other uh, author I wanted to mention was Tanya Huff. Have you read yeah, any of Tanya Huff's novels? I, I was going to bring that up. I think so. No. So um, she's got two major series, the Blood Ties series, which is a vampire police detective thing that was turned I, into a TV show. Yeah, I, I really like, read those. I really liked the first three, and then I kind of fell off of it. The books of hers, there's, she also has a military SF series as well. Oh, really? Which I haven't okay. read either. But the series I have read that I loved is from the late 90s, early 2000s. It's the, the Keeper trilogy. And it's very Buffy-esque, but set in Guelph. Oh, neat. (laughs) Guelph and Kingston. So, uh, yeah. Oh, maybe Uh, I'll look her up. Yeah. So her fantasy is set locally. Uh, Her SF is set in futuristic space. Well, yeah. Because it's science fiction. Yeah. And... um, She's, um, I've seen her at conventions many times. She's, again, very well-spoken, very passionate, uh, and um, a, a, an amazing writer. So those are my two SF um, author recommendations for yeah, Canadian the, SF. The vampire books that you mentioned, that, um, much like what Ryan was talking about, for me, what I really liked about them, because I read them when I was like early teens, mm-hmm. 
was that they all they take place in Toronto. Like mm-hmm. there's the ROM is in it, and you know there's places that I have been to that I can identify with. Um, but yeah, she's really good. Um, I don't, I don't want to say American authors and other authors don't do this because I'm sure it's like this all over the world. But I've I've heard so many stories about Canadian sci-fi and fantasy authors like doing the book club thing, like what you mm-hmm. said. Or um, I know Kelly Armstrong, for yeah, instance. Yeah, she's, she's mm-hmm. very good at doing that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, um, you know Michelle, well, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, Mark and Michelle, Michelle? She Hi, was Michelle. Part, she was part of a group of, like, I, I think it started as a message board back in the day with her when Kelly Armstrong first started writing yep. her books and stuff. And they would meet, like, once a year, like, all the people from that, including Kelly Armstrong, for, like brunch or lunch yeah. or something and they they would they would like, there, there have are, big conversations it's really nice there to hear were stories groups like of writers who would get together and um and work on each other's stuff about we're going back 15 maybe almost 20 years ago now there was a um i i recently i just met julie Ternada at that point and she had organized a book reading uh, like a reading series for a day at chapters in barry uh, oh nice and so it wasn't very well attended, but uh-huh. I st- st- um, stayed and listened to several authors read, including Peter Watts and um, Corey Doctorow. Do you know Corey Doctorow? Oh, yeah. That name sounds yeah. really familiar. Uh, he's, he's, a YA author. Yeah, oh, okay. he, Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom uh, yeah. is one of his uh, more popular books. Oh, I'm picturing the book, but I can't remember what um, the title is. He, and he's also one of the mad geniuses behind the Boing Boing blog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's from Toronto originally. I think he's living in the States now, too. But yep. I ended up hanging out with these people all day, listening to them all read. And we all went for dinner afterwards. If you if you scroll back in Do- Cory Doctorow's website, you'll find a picture of me actually there somewhere. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so... It, it, and they all knew each other already, all the authors. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's well, like... It, it's... And they're very nurturing. And they are very... Um, like I said, so uh, I met Julie through conventions and um, uh, got to be friends with her sort of fan group, and they're all very supportive of each other. They all write, and they all um, uh, critique each other's works and promote it, and um, whenever there's like anthologies, mm-hmm. the call goes out for submissions, and they all write stuff, and, and everybody um, sort of helps each other out. I and find the the Ontario comic community is very, very similar to that, too, at least yeah. in recent years. Because this is the Ontario Literary SF com- uh, yeah. community, um, and they all... I, I don't know if you've ever attended Ad Astra? Not in years and years. Yeah, I, I haven't been in a few years either, but Ad Astra is the literary SF con yep. that happens every year in Toronto, and... Um, if you're interested in writing at all in a in a genre, then that's where you go because it's a it's a really well run convention that doesn't talk about media as stuff at all. Hmm. Yeah, the the Toronto comics community is a lot like that. You'll often see if somebody gets a gig, they'll try and bring somebody else along mm-hmm. with them. Like if somebody's got a penciling gig, they'll bring some they'll bring a colorist or an inker. Mm-hmm. To do their stuff. So or, talk um, about some of your favorite local Canadian comic creators. Oh, there's so many good ones right now. Um, I made a list of those too. Yeah. Uh, Mike Del Mundo mm-hmm. is, it's, it's one of those weird things where I've gotten lucky, especially in the last like five, 10 years that I've become 
friends with some of these guys, like mm-hmm. just bordering on friends. I won't say that we're buddy buddy, but like uh, Mike Del Mundo is one of the guys that I've had the privilege of watching. He was just doing kind of the odd cover here and there for Marvel, and he had this really cool sketchbook of uh, sketches he did on the subway. Like, of just people on the subway and stuff they're, like that. They're hanging those as posters in the subway now. Oh, that's, uh, I that was in shows. Toronto last week, and there, there's them. a series of them hanging in the subway. Yeah. People that's of the subway. Awesome. Yeah. So, but now he's, like, he's doing an Avengers book. Like, mm-hmm. it, like it's really cool to see it with Mark Wade, And it, um, and not only that, he's a really good guy, too. That's the other nice thing about it. Adam Gorham, who's doing a rocket right now, his always been a self-deprecating really nice guy Mm -hmm. um and i've got to watch him as a penciler grow from he did a independent book with uh fred kennedy from edge 102 Mm -hmm. called uh tutan tutan uh it's about kind of myths in Eastern Europe during the crusades like gods interfering with the crusades and stuff like that okay it's a good book but it's like you look at Adam's pencils then, even in book one, he gets better and he gets better and he's just gotten slowly better all along. And now he's doing Rocket where, like, honestly, it, like, he hadn't done animal people much before this. <laughs> and it looks like he was born to pencil it. It's, there's him. There, oh, you know, Mike Wal- Michael Walsh is really good. What my probably favorite Canadian comic is, well, I've got a couple actually now that I stop and think about it. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Yep. Scott Pilgrim, yeah, you know. and a yep. lot of Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, yeah, stuff seconds, is really good. And, yeah, uh, and also um, Jeff Lemire, uh, yeah, the Essex County guy. trilogy. Oh my God, that hits home. I haven't read that one yet, but I've read all of Sweet Tooth, and I enjoyed his run on Superboy. It's mm. weird the the tonal shifts that guy can do. Yeah, like his Essex County is like it's just oh, like it's heart wrenching. And sad, but and it's a beautiful. It's kind of day in the life. Sir. There's no superheroes. No. There's no, no punching of buildings and stuff like that. And then he can turn around and write a Marvel book or a superhero book for Dark Horse. Or yeah. um, he's doing a lot of stuff with Valiant right now that I've heard really, really good things about. So he just had a, an original graphic novel come out too. Um, um, he's got a there's a trade of a book he did with Scott Snyder comes out this week uh, after death I think it's called well he did that book too to go with the uh, was it the hip album or the uh, well yeah, the, yeah. And now you're getting oh, like yeah. all sorts of Canadian on everybody yeah. no um, <laughs> Gord Downey's yeah, solo album Secret Path and that, and they even animated part of it yeah it was on uh, Global CBC one night or, or Global one of those channels I remember coming across it Oh, the book, one of the books by a Canadian that's on my poll list every month is uh, Pitiful Human Lizard by Jason Liu. Yeah. Out of Chapter House. You know, it reminds me a lot of old school Spider-Man where it's like, you know, he's got a job, he's got to make money, kind of doesn't know what he's doing, but he's trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it takes place in all the little, all the Toronto landmarks. There's other heroes that, you know, uh, like Captain Canuck shows up in it and... Uh, there's some, a few other ones that he's created for the book, but uh, he's a guy I can kind of see getting picked up in another two, five, two to five years. His oh, I would not be surprised. Really tight. Yeah. Maybe not so much for his writing. Like his writing's good, yeah. but his, as a penciler, he's getting steadily better and better. So 
I wouldn't be surprised to see one of the big two start to try him out on a couple smaller things. You know, see if he can keep shipping dates. So my favorite Canadian comic is uh, goes back to when I was a kid. Um, Lynn Johnston, and for oh. better or for worse. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love that strip. I've been reading that strip probably since I learned how to read. My mom used to, we used to read it in the Toronto Star every day. Uh, my mom collected the, the books. Um, I have a couple of them. I don't have all of them. I think my sister has the rest. I have to get them from her. But uh, I've followed that family from beginning to end, and it's my favorite comic strip of all time. And they kind of it kind of ages in real time, don't it does, they? Like yeah. not a, like close, yeah. Right, like the kids grow up. The kids grow up. The kids get married. married. They have their own kids. You She's know, rebooted it. Uh, Has she in the last few years? She got to a point where she wanted to end it. Yeah. So the strip now is a mix of reprints and new new stories where the kids are younger again. Oh, I didn't know that she was doing new stories. I thought they they just no. started over again. No, there are uh, not like every strip reprinting. every day is yeah. is a reprint. Oh, okay. I should yeah. look into that. Um, I I follow that strip on an RSS feed. So. Yeah. Well, I think I will too now. Yeah. I didn't know there was new stuff. Yeah. Every once in a while, I go back and I just binge read it. Like I find it online and I just read months and months and months of it. Um, because yeah, it's my childhood. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I was so upset when we she was at TCAF and we couldn't go. Yeah, there was a reason we couldn't go. Too. I know I can't remember, remember, what, remember it was, what it was, but I was very upset. But yet, you still have a book signed by her. I do. I found it at Value, Value Village. Village. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Yeah. Yeah. I was Every like, what kind of a crazy can... person would throw this away? Um, we can't talk about Canadian comics creators without talking about Darwin Cook. Yeah. The the. the I was there's assuming always, Brent was going to bring him up. There's always, there's always a little bittersweetness when you talk about Darwin because he's no longer here. And yeah. He was so good. Yeah. So good. I, I'm really, really curious. Um, before he got sick, he was part Image did that slew of announcements that was kind of like their, their second coming out party. That It was the, the group that announced like Southern Bastards and the, the Brew Baker, we will let him do anything the deal contract and, <laughs> and all that stuff. There was a Darwin Cook book announced in there too, and it never occurred. Yeah. Obviously, for he, he was diagnosed and yeah. was busy doing other things. I love his Parker books. His Parker books are, are excellent. His uh, The his, New Frontier. New Frontier, his Batman stuff was really good. He did a lot of people don't know he did the opening to Batman Beyond. Oh, did he? That's how kind of he got his. He wanted to be in comics, couldn't kind of break in. Um, I think it's uh, Bruce Tim really liked his style and got him to do storyboards for Batman Beyond, and he did the the opening sequences. Basically, Darwin's animation, and I would argue and that kicked open the door for him to do comics. Yeah. I would argue that the opening to Batman Beyond is one of the best comic or cartoon openings ever. Oh, definitely, it's <laughs> it's up there. Um, I was and, trying to, to picture it to see how it fit into his style, but now that I'm thinking back on what the opening, especially in those the flashes where it's like you see them kind of in the club, then mm. action where it's more a, a still picture than a, a, a moving yeah. cartoon. You can totally see his The characters style. are a little mm-hmm. off model. Yeah, there's yeah. not so much the cartoon as in more dark, you know, his style of drawing. Yeah, that, it's 
it's it's too bad that like and uh the follow up would whenever Jimmy comes up or uh Darwin comes up, Jimmy Palmati always kind of brings up don't smoke kids, not good for you. Don't smoke kids, not good for you, because that's basically He's what a heavy, heavy smoker was he? I'm not sure heavy, but that's what got him was lung cancer mm-hmm. and he was a smoker. Like it like it's the the sad part is is my first memory of Darwin is him trying to bum a smoke off me. <laughs> is and it's one of those stories you can only have at a convention because it was back when you could smoke right outside the convention center. In fact, I think the convention center maybe it still had a smoking section at that point. Mm. And he came up to me and I had no idea who he was. It wasn't until later I figured out who he was because I think only Batman Ego had come out at that point. The, the Batman graphic novel he had done. And he asked me if I had a light. And I'm like, no. And I look and I'm like, but I think Darth Vader over there does. And it was a big Darth Vader dude, a little bit on the chunky side. But he had made a hole in his helmet. <laughs> so he could smoke through the Darth Vader helmet. Like, you know, it's... That's like, just wrong. Not only that, it's like you would never have that story anywhere else but a comic convention, yep. basically. But yeah, it's, there's so much good stuff he did. New New Frontier and the Parker books would be the the mm-hmm. automatic pickups. You should have them in your library already. But mm-hmm. but he did like he did a series of covers for DC towards the end of his his life, mm-hmm. where it was like a Darwin Cook month. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just love that retro slick style. Yeah, but he did it for every book. It was a variant cover for almost every book they had in the line. So like at that was time, this New Fifty Two stuff. Um, would have been around noon 52 time, but he did basically what he wanted. But, like, he did a He-Man cover. Oh. Yeah, like, it, like all the DC books that, that he did variant covers to a majority of them. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And the, the He-Man cover's really kind of cool to see. I think it's mainly She-Ra that's on the cover. It's, it's kind of neat to see his interpretation of those characters. I'm guessing you don't have it? No. Oh. It was, it was... That was one of the DC variants where it wasn't like a half and half split. Oh, okay. So it's more of like so, one in ten, one in yeah, twenty. Um, he did a couple issues of Jonah Hex with, with Jimmy Palmati that um, one of them involves a Mountie character. Huh. And it, it's a great issue. So, yeah, he's he's definitely one of the guys that yep. you can't go without mentioning. And then there's there's other guys, too, like John Burns, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's lived here in quite a long time, but... You know that he he did arguably one of the most remembered runs on X Men. Yep, that's the one. Audio Kevin joke. was just showing the the He Man <laughs> visual joke Go on an audio podcast. podcast. Um, well, it's, it's not really a joke; just yeah. a visual. I know, reference. but that's how the song um, goes. <laughs> oh crap! What's his name? The guy who did Spider Man Rain and did Iron Fist recently. I interviewed him too. Ah, oh, crud. Hope he's not listening. <laughs> you you got to mention Dave Sim. Dave Sim. 300 issue run of Cerebus. Which will be hard to pass. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? He, who's I think he's starting to get more recognition now mm-hmm. is uh, Gerhard, the guy who did all the backgrounds on Cerebus, the, who was like the draftsman on it. Mm. I had the 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 pleasure of doing a panel with him not too long ago. So I swung by his booth and he's more or less retired and living on commissions at this point. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he did okay for himself, but the commissions he did is like why there's not some way banging down his door to do work is just beyond me. 
He had a Doctor Strange commission that was just fantastic. Yeah. Like it, it's like it's well, like he never not, wanted yeah. to work on other people's property though either. Right? Well, Dave Sim, yeah, and and he's had a health issue where he can't draw anymore, uh, or he has a hard time drawing, and um, yeah, it's a little too bad. But but Gerhard's still out there and still doing conventions and stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm just looking at this list of um, list of Canadian comics creators on. Well, we have yeah, to mention Ryan North, <laughs> Squirrel, Girl. Squirrel Girl, Girl, yeah, and uh, Tom Grummet, Pia Guerra, Stuart Immonen, yeah, Dale Keown, Carl Kershaw, Francis Manipal, Leonard Kirk. Leonard Kirk is one of the the best regular artists out there. Yeah. Like consistent and just gets it out on time every single time. Todd McFarlane. Oh, I always forget he's Canadian. Uh, yeah, I was say, oh yeah. I Seth, did you ever, have you ever read anything by Seth? Any of his? Yeah, he's a, he, really good. Just not my cup of tea. Like, yeah. just not the stuff that I like to read. But in, um, Jen would know him from um, what's the CBC radio show you really liked? Uh, Vinyl Cafe. Yeah, the the books that came out yeah. for that. Seth did the covers to those. Oh. I was going to mention. There's two My Little Pony Friendship Is Magic artists, Brenda Hickey and Agnes Garboska. Yeah, Agnes is really good. She's living in L.A. right now, mm-hmm. but uh, th- her cutesy style has found a home with... With My Little Pony. With ponies and other stuff. She does a lot of variant covers, too. She did a variant cover for Red Sonia. That's really good. <laughs> so lots of good comic art comes in in this country. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, and, like, there's movies and TV shows that are, mm-hmm. like, I'll be the first to admit, was, there was a period where they weren't so good. And oh, my God. Those are the ones that I have, because they're awesome. The Star Lost. They're awesome in their cheesiness. I don't know what that one is. Oh, yeah. That was on when I was a kid. The Star Lost? The Star Lost. It starred Robin Ward. And, um, um, oh, he was in 2001, A Space Odyssey. It was Roy Scheider? No. Anyway, oh no, that that's uh, not too he good had one. a European name. It was about this um, space colony that was adrift in space, and uh, it was huge. And every episode was set in a different sort of biosphere, and it was terrible. But it was a CTV <laughs> production, and they reran it a lot in the seventies because it was a CTV production. Yeah. See, now I was thinking of Forever Night. Oh, Forever <laughs> Night was actually pretty bad good, show. though. It's, it's like, so given, cheesy, given its budget limitations. Uh, it was I love it. I, I think probably the. I, I really I want to watch it now. Saying the best Canadian science fiction TV show, maybe Orphan Black. Yeah, probably, or at least the best regarded at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, here's another one that you may not know is partially Canadian, uh, but Doctor Who. Was created by a Canadian. Yep. So Yay. I will count Doctor Who as a Canadian show. Yay. Well, just like we can count Superman as being Canadian. Well, the yep. first right? season of the new Doctor Who was, was a funded by the CBC. CBC. Yep. Who were also part of the, the, the leak for the first episode to yeah. the internet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, they were horrible with putting it on TV. Because I remember when they had it. Because I tried to watch the it. The only reason it, it was, was on, like, on was because it was a hockey strike that year. Yeah. But even then, it was like it, instead of being scheduled for okay, it's going to be on this night every you know every week at this time. It was oh, like well, one around. week it's on this time, then another week, and then they didn't even show the final episodes until they finally did. It was on midnight on a Saturday. 
And they I were was, funding the show, yeah. <laughs> I always like the uh, the ones, like, because um, outside of Canada, because of Kevin Smith, people know about Degrassi. Kevin oh, yeah. Smith and PBS. But it's like, yeah, you know Degrassi, but do you know Danger Bay? Oh, Danger I Bay. love Danger Bay. Danger Bay or... Um, how do you even explain Beachcombers okay. to a non-Canadian, though? Here's uh, another no. another show that might be good, considered a classic of genre Canadian television: Reboot. Yep, yeah, I was going to bring Reboot's that one up. Really good. I love that. show. I absolutely adore that show. We have it all on. We have it on DVD. It's so good. It's weird that they, when we started rewatching it, I thought it was going to be kind of bad because of the the animation is obviously we've now gone it's, light years it's early that. 90s computer generated yeah, yeah but they did it cartoony enough that it still sort of works well yeah the, the, every once in a while you get a movement issue where yeah, it's yeah. like they say the dialogue and something obviously was mistimed and they couldn't fix it in time so it's like dialogue's done then the character walks away <laughs> But. The thing that bugs me about Reboot now, and it's just because I'm older, is that it's all really bad, cheesy catchphrases and jokes. But that was 90s TV. And yeah. it was also aimed at kids. And it was aimed at kids, yeah. But my absolute favorite episode of that show, well, I have two favorite episodes. One is when uh, it's like the Power Rangers theme, where they're trying to defeat um, Nullzilla, and they have to turn into the the, the, the Zord, uh-huh. and they can't figure out how, and they're like making all these weird shapes and they're like fong we can't figure this out and he's like you have to say the magic words and then they say it and they become a robot and they're like okay that just happened <laughs> and my other favorite episode is when i think it's enzo's birthday and uh, megabyte the villain comes and they all think he's gonna ruin it and instead he like whips out his guitar and plays this awesome song for enzo <laughs> but then bob shows up and he's like glitch bfg and he he gets a guitar, and they have this awesome guitar battle. And then at the end, Megabyte gives this guitar to Enzo and leaves. That's I think funny. it's adorable. There, there was one with um, parodies of the X Files characters that oh, actually yeah. Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny did the voices for. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're know, all in Vancouver, right? Yeah. You know, it was a weird sort of side step from that, though. You know who um, worked on at uh, what's it called, Mainframe Entertainment Mainframe, during yeah. that period? Who is now a very important person in comics? Dan DiDio. Oh, not oh, a yeah, Canadian, yeah. but he worked there he worked for quite a while, yeah. and that was his entry into the comic industry. Was because he had done well with that, with that, and I guess the the Beast Machines and yeah, that wasn't a bad Beast show, Wars and stuff. Transformers, Beast Wars. So it's weird. I, I find the animation like... in that much more dated than Reboot, which yeah. came well, before. Reboot had the foresight to set itself inside a computer. So yeah, you right. Could, you so could... everything is yeah computery and bulky and square and, and yeah. But uh, uh, there's rumors of a reboot. Reboot. I know. I'm excited uh, uh, for the last couple of years. I I took part in a talent search for a reboot 10 15 years ago. Like you did? It's one, yeah, it's I, I submitted some stuff. I remember at one They got point, my submission and like it, we'll be letting you know when everything goes forward and they supposedly had Canadian government money and stuff like that and that just all fell apart. There were um there were reboot I was where I want to say I was in Texas at a science center in Texas or some kind of VR arcade, and there was a reboot um, simulator ride. Fun, really? Yeah, I'm gonna have to do research on that because I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. So I think they partnered with the company that did uh, the 
Wonder Mountain Guardians ride at Canada's Wonderland is called Triotech, and they're out of Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they also make these sort of arcade games that have moving parts. And I think it may have been a joint venture between Mainframe and Triotech. But it was a reboot 3D adventure ride. Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, such a good show. Now so, I want to go watch it. So did, Podcast did, over. Going to go watch a, reboot. Just out of uh, <laughs> curiosity. Um because I'm I'm a big music nut. Favorite Canadian music artist? Anybody got one? Bare Naked I, Ladies. Uh, that's what I was going to go. I would not well. crap on you at all for it. The Bare but, Naked Ladies, up until Stephen Page. Yeah. You are not going to crap on my Bare Naked Ladies. No, I, I, to be honest, they're one of the bands that I've probably seen more than any other band. They are the band I've seen the most often. Me and too. Their first album got me through university. I wore out three copies of Gordon on cassette. Oh wow! Yeah. I was they're say, the only <laughs> wear out a CD. They're the only band that I've got copies of all. I think I've got copies of all of their albums up until Stephen Page left, including their kids' and, one. And it's not that the new stuff is bad. It's just it's like, missing something. It's like yeah. Lennon and McCartney. Those two guys had a weird synergy that neither one is as good without the yeah, other. So they're headlining Mariposa this year. Yeah. Which is uh, in a couple of weeks in Aurelia. And I don't know if I want to go because I don't know if I want to see them without Stephen Page. So I went to uh, a couple years ago, I went to the Ontario Library Association Super Conference, which I, actually I go every year, but they had, um, they always have a Canadian guest speaker. So uh, a couple years ago it was Chris Hadfield. Mm-hmm. One time it was uh, um, Strombolopoulos. We also had go meshy before everything happened with that yeah and yeah. Uh, anyway yeah, i'm but ashamed w- that i used to that i still kind of like moxie frivis yeah, yeah but well no it's you separate the art from the guy right yeah. Yeah. Him prime example mm-hmm. that there's a guy who, uh, but so there was issues. there was one year when uh, they got stephen page to come and talk and he sang um and he put out a cd and i've been meaning since then to find it listen to it because um I really like he. I really like his voice when he's singing, I and do I think too. that's mm. what's missing. He's got a, a unique voice, and I think that's what is missing from Bare Naked Ladies now. Because he could do both lead and harmony, yeah, and it, it filled in a, a gap in yeah. their sound, which they now have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not he fully deserved what he got. He should like. I don't blame the band for what happened but well, he's suing the band right now I was too. very sad I yeah. just read about this oh, over the royalties to the Big Bang Theory theme song yeah, yeah. Ryan uh, you have one what music wise well yeah. I'm not as big in the music as you guys no, are I but uh, I just like I'm thinking back to you know when I really listened to a lot of music you know back in high school like everybody else you know I listened to a lot of early Iron Lady Peace I Mother Earth Sloan now the Trues are playing in town in a few weeks, I think. If no, not this they? weekend, then yeah. the August long weekend they'll be playing the like the, the outdoor concert. That'd be a good one to run down, especially if it's free. Or just be. Yeah. Oh, are they playing that that one hundred fifty concert that we're I don't getting? know if it's that or oh, if it's okay. just uh, like August long weekend. You know when there's stuff downtown. Oh, okay, I go see um, them if see them free. Yeah. <laughs> You can't forget about Kim Mitchell. Come on. For where we live, you can't forget about Kim Mitchell. Played to death. It's hard to describe to certain people how there there are cottage country acts who did very well in the 80s. David Wilcox, like, 
I would love to know if, if we have any listeners outside of Ontario, how well he is outside of Ontario. You know what I mean? Like, I, he, I'm sure he didn't have, ve- he had very little penetration in the United States with mm-hmm. his act. But in Ontario, especially like from where we are to cottage country, yeah. that guy can sell out arenas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, good picks. Weirdly, you know where else those bands are popular and tragically hip? Or at least were during that period? Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, tea Party. Early I was going to say, uh, Tea Party was another one. Sloan. And the... I don't know so much about Sloan. Uh, tea Party, Our Lady Peace, and Tragically Hip all had really good followings in Australia and New Zealand for some unknown reason. Hmm. I went to the opening concert of the Barry Molson Center. I remember sitting there. It, it, was, a Febu- it was in February. It was, mm-hmm. We drove in through a raging blizzard to get to this concert. Okay. Which a Bare Naked Ladies was the headliner. Yeah. And the opening acts were Ashley McIsaac and The Odds. Oh my oh, god, nice. we were at the same show. Because <laughs> I was at that concert. It was an amazing show, and I just remember turning to my friends and saying, this is the most Canadian thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> I'm sitting in a hockey arena, arena in a blizzard listening to fiddle music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will go with the one that nobody else mentioned. You can't talk about Canadian music without mentioning my boys from Rush. Uh, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers mentioned in episodes of Archer. And now they're also baby capybaras. Yeah, now they're. <laughs> they I read baby. that too. The capybaras. At, where is that it, zoo? It's the High Hyde Park, Park zoo. zoo. Park Zoo. In Toronto. Named them after Getty, Alex, and. And Neil, it's uh, they're it's one of the like highlights of my music writing career was I was doing stuff for Flink at the time, and mm-hmm. Rush was talking about partnering up or had partnered up with us a little bit. And one of the articles I was writing on for Rush, I needed research on, so I had access to their management. And I sent a copy of the article for a fact-checking thing. And, like, it, like, don't look at it for grammar. I'm just looking at it for this sort of stuff. And their, uh, their PR lady, and, like, I was like, I don't know what album. I know you did an album with, uh, Getty Lee did an album. I think it's called Klezmer Music, mm-hmm. which is, like, Ukrainian Jewish folk mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Lots of accordion. Yeah. yeah. Um, with a, a group out of Hamilton, like he appeared on a couple of their songs, but I didn't know who it was. I just knew like kind of the basics out of it. So I got the reply back of like, oh, okay, so the, the Getty says the, the band you're talking about is this, this, and this. And it was at that point I'm like, oh my God, somebody read my shit to Getty Lee. <laughs> <laughs> or at least somebody asked Getty Lee your question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Only I'm, one step. Between, I, I'm I, I'm also very curious. One of these days, I'm I, I'm hoping to interview them for a book that I'm putting together, and I want to know if they know my dad because they went to the same uh, junior high, huh. oh. and they're they're <laughs> roughly the same age. I think there's a year, maybe depending on when their birthdays are. So he was either the class behind them or in their class. Now, does your dad have a yearbook with their photos in it? Uh, we couldn't find it. Oh. See, it was one of those things my uncle told me that like it, uh, that they had gone to school together. Is the my school dad still had already... around? Oh yeah, I can show you. They which may school have 
a copy of the old yearbook at the school. Yeah, um, and uh, my dad was like, "No, no, I would have remembered them." And then why they would have been? They weren't. They would have been. They weren't famous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so there's a a documentary about Rush called Beyond the Lighted Stage, which Uh is which is great for two reasons. One, it's a great documentary on Rush. Two, if you ever wanted to see what playing music in the late 60s in Toronto was like because you couldn't play bars for a good period of time. You could play high schools and you could play hotels. There wasn't a lot of like bars that you could play because of the drinking age at the time. And then that switched right around the time Rush was starting to get some steam in Toronto. So I'm watching the documentary. My dad comes home from work. And I'm like, Dad, come downstairs. And I pause it. And, you know, like, you sure you didn't go to school to rush with Rush? And I'm like, pretty sure. I'm like, is that your junior high? He's like, yeah, that's my junior high. I'm like, you did go to school with them. (laughs) 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 But uh, I'm a a huge Rush fan. And Jen and I got lucky and got to see them on their what looks to be their last tour. It was awesome and very loud. Uh, (laughs) Neil Pert doesn't because he's he's a new dad like he's got a kid who's like three four wow yeah <laughs> um there's hope for me yet <laughs> and um he's also because of his drumming he he's just like got children elbow issues mm-hmm. like he i have a feeling we will see them perform again they're just not going to tour anymore right. like you'll see them do kind of like what the stones do they'll do residencies they'll do four dates in one city and let everybody come to them instead. Right. So um, before we end off this episode, I, I'll uh, go with the trivia question. Jen's not allowed to answer because she might actually remember this. Hey. So the one trivia question that I used on Fantasy, that the one Canadian-esque nerd question. So we all know Wolverine is Canadian. Uh-huh. So it's a two-part question. Do you know what province he was born in? I thought he was from the Northwest Territories. No. Alberta. Yes. <laughs> I knew that too. Do you know what city is the birthplace of Wolverine? Oh, well, the of... city might be stretching it. Town Medicine is... Hat. No. It's not in Alberta, is it? Medicine Hat, Alberta. Yes. I thought it was in Manitoba. No, I can't think Head of it. It's been a while since I've read Cold Lake, which Cold is nah, which is where anybody who's in Canadian military hates getting posted because it's in the middle of nowhere. You need to take like drive three hours to civilization. Yeah, that it was when I did the first part. You could hear the mumbling among amongst people, like, "Okay, what are provinces?" Yeah, and like I re- I remember distinctly this one group at the back who were like kind of smack talking everybody at the beginning you're like shit i think saskatchewan's a province is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's go is it a province or is it a city no it's a province you moron <laughs> in the movies wasn't it more north i'm was not that sure origin sequence i don't remember if they even origin? if they even mention it in x-men origins or not because i've only seen that movie once yeah, I'd have to I'd have to force myself to watch that movie again to find out. <laughs> but uh, I was going from uh, I did preference it as the comic book origin, the, the yeah, one from right. that origin from the original series. Yeah. What about Deadpool? Where is he from? Um, in the movie, don't they say Regina, the place that rhymes with fun? But I don't know. Like, 
<laughs> he's a he's a kicker. From, he's yeah. de- he's definitely uh, he's definitely Canadian. I'm not sure if they've ever completely pointed out where he's from. I don't know. He's made too many different jokes to find out if which one's real. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there the somewhere. Fun. Yes. Marvel has a whole sort of mini Canadian universe, whereas DC doesn't have very many. Canadian. They tried Justice League for Justice a while League, was Canadian. Well, During when Lemire was writing it, yeah, yeah. If you bought certain covers that had that on it, it wasn't all the covers that said Justice League yeah. United or yeah, um, United Unlimited. Some of the U, yeah. And there was that character from Musini, yeah. And I think for a while there was talk of they were going to try to make Booster Gold, like the new Fifty Two Booster Gold was going to be Canadian, Canadian, yeah. But there was never really. I don't think it ever. Nothing ever really came anywhere, of it, other than I think they said that at a con. And that was it. And well, that's in a comic. That tends to be uh, the 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 bad part about Fan Expo's positioning is it is the biggest Canadian convention that we have, mm-hmm. but it is after all the huge American conventions. So mm-hmm. by the time Fan Expo rolls around, there's no we get yeah. some news out of it, but it's very little or small. Yeah, it's no San Diego. Except about every five years. Yeah. We get Alpha Flight. Yep. <laughs> we yeah, we get a new Alpha Flight, and got, because Marvel saves it for that convention because they 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 know where they want. The I love from. Alpha Flight. I loved Alpha Flight back in the day. I I have a complete run of the original. Really run of Alpha nice. Huh. That's a, it's weird because that's like they do have some stereotypical Canadian style characters in it. It was John but Byrne, but but there's it's for that time period. It yeah. suits it, but there's a lot that like could be from anywhere really. Mm-hmm. And it's, what about the Great Lake Avengers? They're, they're from they're, Cleveland. Yeah, they're from Cleveland. Ah, boo! They should be Canadian. No, no, other side of the Great Lakes. Yeah, hey, Squirrel Girl did come up north. She did. She her parents have a cottage in Canada. <laughs> like everybody else's parents, right? There was a whole episode, a whole issue of it <laughs> with Ant Man. Yeah. <laughs> Squirrel Girl and Ant Man in Muskoka. Uh, I don't know if it was in Muskoka. They or never not. quite mentioned where no. it in Canada. Is. Because um, I think it seems like it to me, it almost seemed like Niagara and the Lake because it wasn't <laughs> too far from the border. Yeah, I could be mistaken, but I think in the Ryan North's run, her parents are Canadian, her mother's Canadian. I think her mom's Canadian. Yeah, and it doesn't really mention. So if her she dad has dual citizenship, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, they go on vacation in Canada, which I found amusing. Yeah. So <laughs> that is that is our episode on the news and on Canada. Uh, we hope we have educated you a little bit if you're not Canadian to some Canadian stuff. Or... And if we missed anything that you feel that we should have talked about or mentioned, please let us know on our Facebook page or on iTunes. Or Twitter. Or Twitter or well, wherever else we are. We're still doing our picks before yeah. we leave, though, aren't we? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. So, uh, we're all excited for the picks today. You guys all sounded like you are ready to sign off. So, so our, uh, our geek picks of the week, who wants to go first? Anyway, I'll go first. At... Okay, all go right, ahead. Ryan's good. So... Mine aren't so much geeky as in we geek out about it because we enjoy it. Uh, there's going to be a brand new season of Letterkenny that comes out on July 1st. I haven't watched it. You haven't Neither watched have any I. of Letterkenny? Oh, I gotta I sit down. Yeah, I'm sitting with the wrong fr- group of friends then. Sorry, oh my God. you're talking about your other it's friends. great Canadian, you know, small town comedy. It's like... Corner Gas? 
No, not well. It's a little, a little bit little more cru- vulgar little than cruder than corn. Than corn. Yeah. <laughs> but not as crude as Trailer Park Boys. Not yeah, as crude. It's in the, the middle. Middle ground. Oh, that's good because I don't like Trailer Park I don't Boys. Like Trailer Park Boys either. No, but I yay, like the somebody else. More than the, show. <laughs> uh, the main character reminds me quite often of uh, of Ed. <laughs> so okay, uh, well now I have to watch okay. it. So if you if you out there want to want to know what uh, Snowhawk cosplay is like in real life, according to Ryan Parent, hey, no, uh, other Ed believes he says the same oh, thing. Other Ed other says Ed. that too. So it's we on Crave, it's on right? Crave, and then uh, one, another one that we it kind of fits in the genre that we missed, uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh mm. uh, yeah, that's Canadian. That's uh, Canadian yeah. East Coaster. Yeah, that's other than Rucker Hauer, who's Dutch, fine. <laughs> Okay, my turn. Okay, your turn. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> other than Who was written girl. by a Canadian, so still fits. Yep. Um, my other pick is uh, actually Stuart McLean's Vinyl Cafe. Oh. Uh, he unfortunately passed away not too long ago, um, but he recorded a lot of podcasts, and there's a lot of recordings of his Vinyl Cafe. I had drinks with him once. Did you? I In bet Aurelia. he was a wonderful He's guy. He's a very nice man. Yeah. Uh, I saw his show once, and I really enjoyed it. He always showcased uh, local talent, uh, musical talent, and um, he was very good about making sure that everything was 100% Canadian content. But uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Vinyl Cafe, it is the hilarious story of uh, Dave and Morley uh, and their two children, uh, Stephanie and Sam. And uh, Dave owns a record shop called the Vinyl Cafe. No, it's not called the Vinyl Cafe. Yes, it is. is it? I yep, thought it was called, called something else. Cafe. Anyway, and, and it's about their life in their little town. But Dave is <laughs> Dave is hilarious. He's um, uh, what do you call somebody who's afraid of germs? A germaphobe? No, there's an actual other word too. That's the word. He's a hypochondriac. And Who's his uh, friend that's Chinese that owns that a, owns the meat pie? Meat pie yeah. shop. Okay, the meat pie like, shop. Like, yeah, there's it, a beautiful like heart Charlie Wong's meat pie shop. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, Charlie Wong's meat pies. That's what it's <laughs> called. And there's a beautiful every character in this town has a very nice backstory and a reason that they're friends with Dave and Morley and actually talk to them. And uh he's got some really brilliant, beautiful, heartwarming stories, but he also has some almost drive off the side of the road because you're laughing so hard stories. <laughs> so I really recommend that you find the CDs or download the podcast or read the mm-hmm. books. They're phenomenal. It's really good stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. I feel like I have to go Canadian now because everybody's going Canadian. Well, yeah, that's the theme. Well, yeah. don't have so to, I'm, uh, we didn't talk much about Canadian genre movies, uh, and there's only one that I comes to mind that I really love, and that's Cube. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Cube was a low-budget horror sci-fi kind of movie. Six people are trapped in this giant box. Uh, every room is trapped, and people get decapitated. And uh, Nicole DeBoer, who was on the last season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, was in that movie. Yep. Uh, low-budget, but super fun. And uh, I don't really like horror movies, but I really adored Cube. Uh, and I think there's a sequel as well, but I never saw it. Yeah, but I don't think it. I think it's one of those things that it's kind of sequel in name and concept only. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the guys came, the guys who created it came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to look it up. But if I'm not mistaken, the guy who directed that was the last guy attached to the Neuromancer movie that mm-hmm. has yet to occur. 
Hmm. He also did Splice with David Duchovny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm thinking of the right guy. But, yeah, Cube is really good. Uh, and for a non-Canadian pick, uh, I want to mention this because I... It's been something I've been doing lately. Uh, when I first got a laptop, uh, my, my latest laptop, which is a very low-end laptop, um, I loaded Star Trek Online onto it, but it would never run. A couple weeks ago, I decided I'm going to try it one more time, and I let it download all the patches, and it finally worked. <laughs> so I've been playing Star Trek Online, which is my first sort of foray into... MMOs. And um, while I'm not very good at ship combat, I do love doing all the away missions. So I've been having a lot of fun uh, playing Star Trek Online. Um, I'm a little confused because everything I'd read about the game said it was set after Next Generation. But this current patch that I've got is um, Captain Kirk era. So so I called my ship the USS Toronto. Which Kirk? It's it's classic universe. Okay. Yeah. I call my ship the USS Toronto, and uh, I, I can't. I think my character's name is Scott Miller or something boring like that. But I didn't even make an alien or anything, but um, yeah. So he's a science, uh, a science officer who's in in charge of the USS Toronto, and he flies around and saves people on Star Trek missions, which is fun. Awesome. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I have three <gasps> quick picks uh, because two are kind of Canadian, but not really. Uh, well, one, well, we'll judge. One, we'll judge that. Okay, so m- movies. I'm going with a movie that not a lot of people saw when it came out, but is uh, slowly gaining cult following. And if you listen to the show, you should see it or uh, probably own it. And that's Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe. Um, stars a Canadian, directed and written by a guy from the UK. But um, we gotta I, watch. That I've never again. seen a movie that's more of a love letter to Toronto. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, it's based on a. Pro- well, the Canadian the are yeah. Toronto. Yeah. It counts. It, it takes place in Toronto, and it, it it they did a really good job. And it's like it, yeah. you know, you can pick out places you've been. It brought us a really, really good uh, eight or sixteen uh, bit beat 'em up game, which unfortunately is no longer available on Xbox Live, but it was for quite a while. Oh, I, I remember never tried, that. I never yeah. played that game. It was kind of like, good? did you ever play River City Ransom for the original Nintendo? No, it's kind of like did. Double Dragon, but okay. you could like power up your guys and get food to heal and stuff like that. Okay. I was, it was terrible like at it. But the Sid, the settings, like the backgrounds, were all sort of Toronto. Like it was Toronto, and Toronto landmarks were there, but they obviously didn't have the rights to certain things. <laughs> so, like Sonic Boom Records, which was down at the time on Bloor near the Bloor Theater, was called like. Sonic something else, yeah. but it's like pretty much like the same Kaboom logo. Records the, there was no TTC logo on any of the the uh, streetcars, but they sure as hell looked like the rockets. Just, you know? it was, it was still the red rocket. Yeah, it, oh, it was such a good beat em up. Um, <laughs> the other one that people uh, uh, that is completely Canadian is a hardcore logo. It's based mm-hmm. on a, a book. Um, the The movie is a uh, what's his name. Bruce uh, Bruce McDonald movie starred um, dude from the Headstones. Oh uh, yeah, he's Hugh also Dillon. yeah. He, he was in Flashpoint. And, and uh, was good. what's that something uh, D- Durham, Durham, Durham County? County yeah. That's another show, Flashpoint. Yeah. So um, it's a it's about it's a, a Canadian punk Canadian band show. that reforms and does a, a tour of like the prairies and BC, and it gives you kind of a really good look at what being a touring musician in Canada is like. It's a dramatic movie, but it's it's got some funny bits and great soundtrack to it. Um, and my final thing is um, I'm a big wrestling nerd. 
Okada versus Kenny Omega 2. It's a match you can, I think you can find in most streaming services right now from New Japan Pro Wrestling. One of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life. Kenny Omega proudly represents Winnipeg. It's awesome. Yes. Before we sign off, I just have to remind everybody, if you're in the Barrie area, save the date, September 23rd, the Barrie Public Library Comic Con. We will be there. Yay! Yep. I hope. <laughs> well, we're 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 in negotiations to do a podcast. Yes, like live from the venues. I'll be submitting my writer shortly. Yes. So uh, we, we have to talk about whether we want to do that or not. But yes. I think we want to do that. We uh, we would like to, but it's more whether we can do the time <laughs> slot and everybody can make it is the question mark. We'll make sure we make it. I Yay. will. I will be doing a lecture on Marvel comic book movies there. And, and we have Jay Torres is coming. Yep. Uh, and uh, um, artist Sam Noir is coming to draw free sketches for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a Jedi training school for kids. We're going to have a superhero meetup. I'm talking to the Ghostbusters of Ontario to see if they will come by a cool. couple of their members. Snowhawk Cosplay. Snowhawk Cosplay will be there. Uh, if you look at our Instagram account, we were at uh, Barry, the Barry Film Fest was doing a uh, movies in the park and they were doing Doctor Strange. So I have pictures of uh, Snowhawk cosplay dressed up as Thor and uh, we were handing out business cards and save the date cards. So remember September 23rd, all ages event, uh, 9.30 till 4. That's a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Come in costume. Mm. You guys don't have to. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, I might. We did last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to be Squirrel Girl if I can figure out how to get a tail. Oh, I'm sure we can get you a tail. <laughs> okay, so, now you can end. All righty. So for <laughs> Kevin, Ryan, and Jen. Oh, you didn't say where we can find us. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Kevin, where can we find us? I'm <laughs> we tired. are on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook at True North Nerds, on Instagram at True North Nerds, on email at True North Nerds at gmail.com. Hashtag True North Nerds. And for Jen, Ryan, and Kevin, this is Brent saying we will see you in two weeks with another fun-filled episode of True North Nerds. Bye-bye. See ya. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds. On Facebook, under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle. From the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.